Well, it's a date we don't normally get and a starting time that we don't normally get going an hour early this morning here on February 29th. It is your leap day of your leap year. February 29th is here, and uh, I've got a little something i got to get to this afternoon. We'll talk about it at the end, why we had to start early today. But it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for showing up. So many of the regulars are already reporting for duty, and it's awesome to see all of you. Thank you very much. As Smiley Dan said earlier, uh, had he not set notifications, he might have forgotten this one. So, you know. Set that notify button. Just go ahead and hit that little bell. Uh, a like, a subscribe, it's all there for you. Thank you so much for being here for me. And let's talk about what's happening tonight. We got Steph Curry at the Garden. This is a significant thing. Now, you know, you walk into Madison Square Garden, and if you're not from New York, like your instinct is to play like the whole, well, what's the big deal? And honestly, if we're being honest, the roof of Madison Square Garden is very cool. Oracle Arena, old Oracle Arena's roof was was similar in a way. Um, but you walk into Madison Square Garden and you're like, what's the big freaking deal of this place? It's just another arena. What makes it a big deal is it's right in the heart of New York City. We all know that. Things in New York just feel they're sold as a bigger deal. But then you go to the concourse. And you start walking around MSG and you look up to your left and around the entire circumference of the entire concourse. So essentially like four city blocks of New York, there is Madison Square Garden's timeline and all the things that have happened, all the events that have taken place there. And you can't help but get caught up in this timeline to the point where you're like, God almighty, like I'm just sitting here and looking at this, this span of this year and look at everything that happened in this year. What year was this? You're like, oh, it was 1971. And you're like, oh, let's see the other. I mean, it's, it's amazing. All the things that happened at Madison Square Garden and when it happens in New York, it by definition feels bigger than it should happen anywhere else. And that's just the way it goes. I mean, you can fight the reality all you want, but then you get in there and you're like, all right. There's something special about this place. And the something special about that place is the place. It really isn't the Knicks themselves or the Rangers or St. John's games or anything like that. But there is something about the building. Obviously, a band that I like, Fish, is like the house band of Madison Square Garden. I think they played now Madison Square Garden more than Billy Joel even has. Or they go back and forth depending on who's got a residency. Um, but it's a, it's a great room. It's a great venue. And Steph Curry gave us an early glimpse of his greatness at Madison Square Garden back on February 27th, 2013. So this is almost like 11 years ago to the day almost, right? Uh, that's when Curry dropped his then career high 54 at the Garden, 62 against Portland. That's his new career high. But I want to take you back to that night. Because that night, that time, simply no longer exists. The world is different than it was in 2013. We all know that. Social media, for better or for worse, has changed the way we talk with and to each other. Um, it is certainly a different NBA, not only stylistically, but philosophically. It is a completely different NBA than the night that Steph Curry had his 54 at the Garden. Curry had yet to win an MVP, so he had yet to become Steph Curry as we know him. The Warriors had yet to win a title. As a matter of fact, 
One of the reasons why Curry had that 54 is because Mark Jackson was the head coach. And Mark Jackson wanted to beat the New York Knicks probably more than Steve Kerr even would have wanted to beat the New York Knicks that night, given Jackson's tie to the Knicks. And something happened in that game that is basically never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever going to happen on Steve Kerr's watch. And that is Steph Curry played every single minute of it. I mean, it's a different NBA. Just a decade ago, 11 years ago, it was a totally different NBA. It was a different sport, basically. Curry played all 48 minutes, and to top it off, he then averaged 42 minutes in a three-game and four-night stretch following that Knicks game. Again, Curry plays every minute against the New York Knicks, and then you'd figure, well, if he's going to do that, he's going to get restricted going. But no, 42 minutes averaged in three of his next four nights, and those were three games in four nights. And it wasn't like Mark Jackson was running his dudes into the ground. It's just the NBA was a different thing back then. Totally different thing. So Curry plays every minute of the game. He maintained his efficiency, even though his gas is, you know, basically got a, a it, it being leaked the entire game. Um, the guy throughout all of that, like basically four games without rest, was at 33.8 points per game on 50, 50, and 93% shooting splits. So 50% from the floor, 50% downtown, better than 90% from the line. I mean, the guy's just unbelievable. And this is kind of the moment where everyone was realizing, like this Steph Curry kid out in Golden State is more than a rumor. He was still not even an all-star. David Lee was the Warriors All-Star in 2013. Curry couldn't even crack the All-Star game. And then he goes to New York, plays every minute on February 27, 2013, 54 points on 18 of 28 shooting from the field, including 11 of 13 from three-point range. He was 7 of 7 from the line. He also had a team-high seven assists and three steals. Stephen Noah of the Sporting News was writing about, saying that the Warriors, you know, a lot of people forget because you just remember how great Steph Curry was. Warriors must have won that game, right? No. Again, this was a different world, right? Uh, Curry was going bonkers. Nobody else did. Carl Landry had 15 points. Jarrett Jack had 14 points, and they were the only other Warriors in double figures. And again, this was Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes, Andre Biedrinch. All of them combined for just 13 points around Curry's incredible effort that night at the Garden. He had just been snubbed for the All-Star game, so maybe that was kind of what lit the fire under Curry. Because again, you make a statement in New York, that statement will travel further than had you made that statement in Houston or Oklahoma City or Chicago even or Philadelphia or Boston even. You know, other big East Coast media hubs, God bless them. They ain't New York. They're not. Um, so Curry just went bonkers in that game. And it was one of those moments that you can say it absolutely helped establish Steph Curry on the map. He's always liked playing the Knicks. He's always played well against the Knicks. Um, he is actually riding the struggle bus just a little bit in his last two or three games. So we'll see if 
getting to Madison Square Garden doesn't bring out the very best in Steph Curry. The man is a showman. He loves putting on a show, and that is a very big NBA stage for him to put a show on. Uh, What you got to like about this matchup tonight is that it really kind of is starting to look like it's going to favor the Warriors because Julius Randle, OG Ananobi and Mitchell Robinson have been out for extended periods of time. I don't think either one of those is playing tonight. Jalen Brunson, who is just having an awesome year with the New York Knicks, he has a sore neck and is listed as questionable. Obviously, Andrew Wiggins is out here for personal reasons. Um, he missed the Warriors game Tuesday in D.C., and we'll, we'll talk about Wiggins a little bit later on. But um, again, trying to find out where, where Andrew Wiggins is doesn't make anyone trying to get that answer a bad person. And the fact that the Warriors want to maintain his privacy doesn't make them bad either. What's ridiculous, though, is the amount of media members in the Bay Area like taking up arms to not get to the bottom of the story, but saying that, no, the story's none of your business. Just shows you how soft our media is out here as opposed to East Coast media. If this, if Andrew Wiggins were a Nick, we'd know where he is, who he's visiting, why he's away, how long he's going to be away, and what the whole thing was. We'd know that already. So, uh, there you go. I guess I won't get to Andrew Wiggins a little bit later on. I just said what I had to say right here and now. Uh, it is a big game. Big game for the Warriors because, look, they pick up a win in D.C. to begin this four-game East Coast swing. The Knicks would get them guaranteed to 500 if they win tonight. They got a back-to-back, which always makes things a little bit more interesting than they probably should be because Toronto's not a very good team. They're not having a good season, and they're not good at home. The Warriors are in Toronto on Friday, so a back-to-back Knicks and Warriors. And if they could pick up those three, then you go to Boston, and it doesn't really matter what happens there. And let's be honest, you don't want it to matter when you get to Boston. Because you do anything in Boston, that's just a cherry on top of the road trip. Boston is on a nine-game winning streak. They have the best record in the NBA, clear of four games. They're the best team in basketball by a lot this year. The best point differential in the NBA this year. So, you know, you you win in Boston, that's total house money. It's a four-game road trip. Get to Boston with three wins. Because the Warriors got to be at 500, winning three out of four, basically the rest of the way to be a playoff team. And this would be a good road trip to do that in. It would get people's attention. So I want to explore what an alternate universe looks like here in just a second. But first, I don't want you to make any alternate decisions when you're thinking about what to do with lunch today. There's only one draft pick, and that draft pick comes from Ike's. Get yourself a sandwich at Ike's. No alternate timeline or universe need even apply. No alternate sandwich shop even bother competing with Ike's. He's got the best sandwiches on the West Coast, and they're leaving the West Coast for other destinations. So get an Ike's near you. Start petitioning uh, your local congressman, uh, whatever it takes. A senator, uh, get Ike's to your hometown. Your hometown will be better off once it gets there. And if you have an Ike's near your hometown, you've got to download that Ike's app, and you can get yourself earning points towards free sandwiches right now. And as our good friend Smiley Dan wanted everyone to know before the show even started, Started today, uh, Smiley Dan wants you to know it's the last day to get the Ike's Valentine's Day specials. That's right. The Valentine's Day specials went through the leap year. So you're right, Smiley Dan. It is the last time to get it. Thank you very much for being sandwich aware. I respect and appreciate sandwich awareness more than most. Um, 
And I'm sure Smiley's hoping you're all very, very safe today as well. So thank you to Ikes. Thank you to Smiley Dan. That's our guy right there. Now I want to take you into that alternate universe where imagine just for a moment the Golden State Warriors don't draft Steph Curry and he's a New York Nick. They had the very next pick in the draft, and he was going to be a Nick. They were going to do it. They were going to draft Steph Curry for sure. And to me, this is one of the more interesting, like, alternate timeline. I would have liked to seen this universe play out somewhere else, only to see which is the greater force. Which would have been the greater basketball force? Would Curry have pulled the Knicks into greatness or would the New York Knicks and the nature of just what that franchise has been sucked Steph Curry back into just the land of underachieving mediocrity like which would have had the greater pull which is the true north Curry's excellence saving the Knicks or the Knicks incompetence ruining Curry which would have happened in that tug of war I think it's fascinating I would have loved to have seen it play out in an alternate timeline the other thing that would have been very interesting is to see what decisions Steve Kerr might have made all those years ago when he told his pal Phil Jackson look man I am not taking the Knicks job I'm going to be the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. And one of the things that Steve said, and I believe there is some truth to this, is that, you know, Steve's daughter was starting at Cal. She was uh, on the the volleyball team. He wanted to watch his daughter uh, in college compete. And I'm sure that was a part of it. But a much bigger part of it was Steve's looking at both rosters saying, okay, so I can go to New York and I can sign up for my own career suicide. Or I can look at this young, really interesting Warriors roster that is full of shooters. I'm Steve Kerr, kind of a shooter myself. I think I'm going to take my shot with the Warriors. But what would have happened if both Steph Curry and Steve Kerr had shown up in New York? Would that level of competence been enough to pull the Knicks into a level of contention? Or would the Knicks have taken both Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and ruined them both? <laughs> it's fascinating. I would have loved to seen it play out. We never will, obviously, but um, interesting stuff. By the way, back to the universe where uh, Steph Curry is a Golden State Warrior. Again, a win in the garden is good for business. The Warriors are right on that balance beam of we are marching towards the playoffs or a three or four game losing streak at any point in time could knock us so far out of the playoff conversation. We might not able be able to get back into it. So this is all high leverage basketball. And what do we always say about sports and why the NBA may feels like it's got too many games. You don't have enough games of consequence. Every single game the Warriors play from here on out is a legitimate game of consequence. So let's see what they look like. Uh, again, you've already beaten the Wizards, which was a mandate. You had to do that. Knicks tonight, Toronto, not very good, but on a back-to-back -back might be a little bit more of a threat. Pick up three in a row before you get to Boston and let that be the house money game. A three and one road trip sounds pretty good to me. So we'll see if that happens. We'll see indeed if that happens. Meanwhile, if you were just sitting on your couch last night, you're looking for something to do. You might have stumbled upon. Uh, uh, they call it the hallway series. Like this is how irrelevant 
the Lakers and Clippers rivalry is. It, it doesn't matter to anyone who lives a mile outside of Los Angeles city limits. And if we're honest, it doesn't matter to most people living inside of Los Angeles's city limits. The Lakers and Clippers are not rivals. They were just tenants of the same building. Well, Wednesday night is the last time the two of them will meet as tenants in the same building, because we all know the Clippers are getting their new arena that they'll move into next year um, with their new Love Boat jerseys. I don't know how I feel about those. It looks like you're working for Carnival Cruises, more like you are an NBA team, but whatever. Last night, there was nothing else on TV, and it looked like there was no real reason to watch Lakers-Clippers because the Clippers were just way, way up on the Lakers going into the fourth quarter. No real reason to keep an eye on that, and then your eye, for whatever reason, went to it, and you thought, hey, you know, that 21-point gap is closing just a little bit. Uh, Twitter has just told me that LeBron has hit three threes in a row. So I go over to ESPN, and as soon as I click over, oh, there's LeBron hitting his fourth three in a row. Oh, there's LeBron hitting his fifth three in a row. And oh my God, here come the Lakers. The last meeting between the Lakers and Clippers is co-tenants. LeBron was at the center of a Laker win and another Clipper collapse. He outscored the Clippers by himself in the fourth quarter. It was LeBron 19, Clippers 16, and he leads the largest fourth quarter comeback of his career. LeBron James, at the age of 68 years old, was just unbelievable last night. I mean, he really was unbelievable. LeBron had never been part of a 21-point fourth quarter comeback ever before. Uh, I didn't even know they called it the hallway series. Nobody gives a rip about that. I was just watching basketball, and man, the Lakers put on a show with about eight minutes to play. Uh, they just bent the Clippers in half. It was awesome. It was a really good basketball game. Opti Stats said it was the eighth time in LeBron's career that he outscored the entire opposing team in the fourth quarter alone. This includes the postseason. No other active NBA player has done that more than three times. Again, LeBron has done it eight times. He's good. He's freaking good. There's just no way that you could make an argument that he's not one of the best athletes you will ever watch in your life. Hate LeBron all you want. If you can't acknowledge he is one of the single greatest athletes you'll ever have the pleasure of watching, you don't know what you're looking at. He is that good. He is that good. He's special. So, look, um, it was a, a, a hell of a win for the Lakers last night. We'll see if the Warriors can keep pace with a hell of a win against the New York Knicks, then they're off to Toronto, then Boston. So again, basketball with consequences, give it to me. I like it very, very much. Mm. There it is. That's your sip of the day right there. Uh, again, we're, we're getting going early today, uh, an hour earlier than normal, and we're not going to get into Club Plus because uh, I got to go upstairs. I got to pick out a suit. I got to put it on and attend... Uh, our good friend Joe Shasky's father's funeral. Uh, that is today. I've known Joe for years, obviously. He is the closest thing I have to an actual radio son. And so I need to be there for my son today. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I've been out of this radio family for about a, a year now. But 
Radio remains family. Maybe that's why we all get so mean with each other, because you're more likely to be meaner with a sibling than you would just someone that is a friend. You know, I, I don't know what it is. But um, radio is a family. And even though I'm not in it, I'm still in it. And uh, I got to go be there for one of my sons today, my family today. That's uh, that's It's tough when you lose a parent. We've been talking about an awful lot of loss on this channel. We've been having some great uh, members here of the Plus expressing what they've gone through and the losses that they have had in their families. And this binds us all together. And this is real life stuff. Um, so you got to stop. Exit the toy department, which that's what this is, to go acknowledge this real life stuff as it's happening. Um, you know, the world is a, is a big place and you got to know when the right time is to slow down and pay your respects. And so that's going to happen today. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with a couple of stories that I was not expecting to share with you. And this one really comes out of nowhere. And honestly, I don't know if you could find a less publicized wedding than the one that has taken place for Shohei Otani. That is the news. Shohei Otani got married. I didn't even know he was dating. I didn't even know he was engaged. I didn't even know he... Uh, I, I had no idea he was romantically involved with anybody. Now, why would I? Well, why would you is because he is one of the single most popular athletes on the planet. And all I can tell you is that had he been, uh, you know, born in America, dating a girl from America, she's probably a, a, a clout chaser and looking to be on the gram as his, you know, wag, wives and girlfriends. I mean, that's a big deal over here. Who's dating the athlete? Oh, apparently over in Japan, there's still enough dignity in that culture where they're not all trying to become famous based on who they're banging or dating. Um I, I, I'd never heard anything about Shohei Otani's relationships until the moment where he announces, hey, everybody, I'm married. So at least one Dodger got a ring this year. He wrote on Instagram, Shohei Otani, quote, the season is approaching, but I would like to announce to everyone that I've gotten married. She is also from Japan, but he hasn't identified her. He hasn't told anyone who she is or where she is other than she's back home in Japan. And he'll, I guess, let everyone know a little bit more detail come Friday, he's he's announced. Um, but the fact that, again, some girl has not popped up saying, like, oh, I'm with Shohei is just incredible. I mean, again, discretion, dignity, not putting all your business out on Front Street for the entire world to look at. Can we go back to that? I, I really appreciate that. I really do. You know, with Shohei Otani, we have an unidentified, never seen before, not clout chasing wife here in America. We get Brittany Mahomes. <laughs> I haven't even met Shohei's wife. I like her a lot more than Brittany Mahomes. A lot more. 
He also says, quote, I begin a new chapter in my career with the Dodgers, but I've also started a new life with someone from my native country of Japan who was very special to me. And then he basically asked the media, and if we're being honest, he's warning the media to refrain from conducting unauthorized interviews. In other words, don't you go poking around something that ain't your business. And my wife, unless I make her your business, ain't your business. I like Shohei Otani, man. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't don't make me have to adopt the Dodgers, at least their three-hole hitter, right? Don't make me do it. I love Shohei Otani. I love everything about him. The guy's fantastic. There's not anything about him that I do not like. Um, meanwhile... As Shohei Otani is putting a ring on it and getting fle- uh, getting uh, get- getting married, uh, the Giants already got problems in their pitching rotation. Saw today from Susan Slesser that um, uh, Tristan Beck, who is you know either the fourth or fifth starter for the Giants this year, has been diagnosed with an aneurysm in his upper throwing arm in his weighing treatment options. I don't know anything about arm aneurysms. I know like a brain aneurysm is enough to kill you. I don't know what an arm aneurysm is, but I can tell you this. Um, you know who doesn't have an arm aneurysm? Blake Snell. No arm aneurysms on the reigning and available and ready to do a comfortable, opt-out, friendly kind of team deal. I mean, if, if your problem with Blake Snell is you didn't want to get into the Blake Snell business for five, six, seven years, you don't need to do that. Overpay for one year. You need a guy like that in your rotation. How about Jordan Montgomery? No arm aneurysm problems in Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell. I'm looking for fewer aneurysms in my rotation might Farhan think the same? I don't know. But that's unbelievable. An arm aneurysm in someone as young as Tristan Beck. I hope he's okay. I hope it doesn't hurt his career. Um, but uh, go get yourself another bona fide major league starting pitcher. Since one of the guys you were hoping would become that might not be available. Don't know what the story is on the layoff time it takes to get over an arm aneurysm with whatever level of treatment is prescribed for that. I have no idea. I have no idea. The one thing I do know is Blake Snell is available. And so is Jordan Montgomery. One of those guys won last year's Cy Young. The other one of those guys was a huge part of a world champion Texas Rangers rotation and might have pitched better than just about any other Ranger pitcher in the postseason. Why don't you get that guy? Why don't you get that guy? What are you doing, Giants? What are you doing? So, look, it's not going to be an official club ploose. Because uh, I got to get going here. But let's quickly, let's quickly just scroll through and see what we got. Again, I pinned a couple of uh, 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 
a couple of these before the show even started today. It was interesting to see who of the early arrivers would be arriving early to start chit-chatting with each other. And, of course, Michelle Haberman reporting for duty, as always. She even says the 10 a.m. thing works for her, fits into her morning even better. So thank you very much. And she wants to pay her respects to Papa Shasky as well. You're all class, Michelle. Can't wait to see you at Plus Mania 3, The Revenge, coming up Sunday, 4 o'clock, Halfway Club. Hope to see you there. I really, really do. It's a great group of people. It's everyone who's in the chat who you've always wanted to meet. Um, it's our third Plus Mania meetup. Kruger's going to be there. Uh, I, by the way, I invited Paul McCaffrey. Paul McCaffrey can't make it because he's in New York City watching the Warriors with his son and spending the wife, uh, spending the, uh, the weekend in New York City with his son. So unfortunately, Paulie's not going to join us for this one. He'll be at another one. FP Santangelo, I invited him. He's going to be up in Sacramento visiting family this weekend. So unfortunately, it's not FP. Here's who you're going to get. You're going to get a guaranteed Damon Bruce appearance, that's for sure, at the Halfway Club. It's my buddy's bar. I'm showing up just for the free drinks. Not that you get free drinks, but I do. Ha ha. Um, uh, uh, Larry Kruger is showing up. Jillian Bruce is more than scheduled to appear. She is going to be there as well, and I hope you can be there as well. Um, Red Jet Shell says, can we agree that Damon is just a wholesome? I've been called a lot of things. Wholesome. Not among them. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, what do we got here? Good morning. Good morning from good people. Like that very much. Curry is due for a big game. Hope tonight's the night. Again, he's got the right stage for it. Um, he is due. Uh, that Curry MSG night, though, the way the crowd started to root for his shots as they were going in, it was incredible. It was like a Rocky movie. That's dude. So Madison Square Garden is there for greatness. And if greatness happens to show up not wearing a Knicks uniform, they won't ignore greatness because it's wearing the wrong uniform. They'll still salute it. And again, that's one of those things that makes Madison Square Garden kind of special. You know another thing that makes Madison Square Garden special when the Knicks are playing and playing well? I don't think any building in the country does the defense chant better than MSG. Defense. Uh, when 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 Knicks fans are on one and feeling themselves, that building's got bona fide electricity. Bona fide electricity. What do we got here? Happy Thursday, Plus fam. Heading into Surgery Center now. Wish me luck. Robo elbow incoming. Old Dirty Hungus, did you go see my man Paul Hughes first? Before you get any, go see Dr. Paul Hughes. He could have cellular replacement therapy that's a lot better than intrusive surgery. I've been telling you this all football season. Good luck, man. Good luck. Yeah, I remember David Lee. I remember. Right? Right? D. Lee. D. Lee was a walking double-double those days. Well, yeah, it was because he was on a team where a lot of guys weren't even bothered playing. Sporticus remembers the days before load management became part of the lexicon, previously unacceptable concept that is an acceptable afterthought in today's NBA. Bring back toughness. It is asset management more than it's like basketball. And it sucks. Sabbatical Wiggins is back. R.I.P. Cougar Rebel. Look, again, I don't know what happened. 
I don't know what happened last year. I don't know what happens this year. All I do know is that no one gets a wider berth to go do private shit with their family in sports than Andrew Wiggins. So I hope he's taking advantage of it. I hope everyone in his family is better for it. But my God, I mean, the guy disappears to go do can't tell you about it stuff with his family a little too often for for my liking, shall we say. Maybe you're cool with it. I certainly know that there are a bunch of Warriors media members who are, you know, no questions, no follow-up questions. No, 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 no. The minute a team says privacy, privacy is the only thing I'm going to acknowledge, even though, like, it is my job as a reporter to get to the story that the team would rather me not have. People just don't work like that out here in the Bay Area. Nobody wants to be left out of the free buffet. It sucks. Uh, Brunson. Ooh, my neck is sore. I'll take Noonan. It's a nice Caddyshack reference. Um, but no, I mean, look, it, if there's one thing that you can say easily is that Jalen Brunson is a gamer, dude. That guy's playing his ass off this year. He is having an awesome year. If he can be out there, he will be. I'm telling you, I've woke up with some sore necks that mean I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not playing an NBA game that night. But again, I'm also at the age of I wake up and everything is sore. So there's that. Otis Bird remembers. Steph wanted to be a Nick too at the time. I think the Currys even told the Warriors, don't draft this kid. And the Warriors are like, yeah, that ain't how it works. We're drafting him. You know, kind of like how the Kings should have done that with Luka Doncic. Oh, I heard Luka doesn't want to play. Tough titties. We're drafting you. Jimmy Dolan would have ruined Curry. You might be right, Baron. SF Indigo Co. Uh, you might be right about that. I mean, the Knicks' ability to take a career and ruin it is pretty profound. Again, I'm interested in what that dual timeline would have looked like, an alternate timeline, right? Yeah, Damon, remember when you used to do segments with Stranger Things music in the background? <laughs> Thank you, Rockin' New Era 84. Those are good old days. Um, again, if if... Steph Curry had been a New York Nick. One of the things that definitely is just indisputable is that he would be, you'd be so sick of Steph Curry. The way that Steph Curry enjoys this almost global, universal appeal and acclaim, the Knicks are too divisive, right? Too many people don't like the Knicks or don't like New York to have a universal love of Steph Curry. Like the Golden State Warriors were a franchise who basically threatened no NBA entity throughout my lifetime. So there was no reason to fear or dislike the Golden State Warriors. As a matter of fact, Golden State Warriors coming up on the schedule usually meant, hey, easy win. No problem. Um, Steph Curry definitely changed that. Absolutely changed that. So look. It is, uh, it, it's really good to have you here. M more people showed up. So there were two things that were going to undermine the success of today's show. Number one, 
It was a thumbnail that did not include the San Francisco 49ers. And let's face it, the 49ers have not made this show until this moment right now because I got nothing left to say about the 49ers. My least favorite breaking news on Twitter thing is Team X is talking to Player Y. Yeah, that's what happens at the Combine. Pretty much every team talks to every player coming through the Combine just because that's the way the Combine works. So it's not a lot of news to say that, you know, I mean, it's the equivalent of saying like uh, 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 Team X had lunch today. Well, of course they had lunch. Most people have lunch in the middle of the day. Team X talked to draft player prospect Y today. Well, of course, that's what they're there to do at the Combine. So I hate that. Um, but this was a 49er free show. A 49er three free thumbnail. A 49er free show. Oh, my God, I'm playing with fire. Going an hour earlier than I normally do? This show was destined to fail. But it's not. It can never be a failure if I get to hang out with you good people. Get in here. Thank you oh so very, very much for being a part of this. And again, to let you know what the family is, rest in peace, Papa Shasky from AJ Cruz. My man, 49er Ultimate Report saying the same thing. Thank you very much. And Damon, please tell Butch that we're thinking of him. Otis Burton, RIP Papa Shasky. Indeed. Indeed. We will be giving Joe a big hug today. Absolutely, we will. And that's why I'm going. It's um, it's powerful medicine. When you lose your father. Happened to me a few years ago. It's uh, it, it, it makes a man think about his mortality probably more than any other moment you might run into. So... You know, Joe's been going through an awful lot. He's got a new baby at home. Um, and that's just my guy right there. So I got to go support my guy. That's how it works. You all know about that. For whatever reason, so many of you have chosen me as your guy, and the support that I get from you is just extraordinary. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting me, the channel. Thank you so very, very much. And the only thing I can tell you is that sports don't build character, they reveal it.